Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so, ha- so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 15, 4 through 11. Happy Valentine's Day. I do want to make a public service announcement at this time. Uh, Husbands, those of you who have forgotten, you can still go to Weiss's. (laughs) And when you get to the card aisle, there's that one section that is filled with Valentine's cards. And right next to it is an empty one. That's where your wife got her cards for you. You can find those cards there. Anyway, welcome to uh, Communion Sunday, Take Two. Uh, I'm sure that many of you have heard, it really wasn't the snow last week. I was, uh, and, and there's various persons who can confirm this, I was here at the church wondering, where is this going to go? What's the weather going to do? How are we going to get there? And um, it actually, I, I'm not sure we, I would have canceled church. But when we discovered at 6 o'clock that the boiler was not working and we couldn't get it started back, and there were all kinds of things going on with it, it was at that point, some, somewhere in the, early, in the early hours of the morning, it, it went offline or something. Anyway, we decided rather than have you come here and be just as cold in here as it was outside, we we postpone anyway. So here we are, uh, take two on Communion Sunday on Scout Sunday, and we're so grateful to have our Scouts here. It's good to see you all, and uh, they are they are part of the ministry of this church, and uh, it's a great outreach. It's a great troop, folks. It's just exciting. I uh, I, I do want to mention one thing about. Uh, I unfortunately I had a I, I did I did. A, a funeral service, a graveside service yesterday, and it was so close to <clears throat> Valentine Day, Valentine's Day, and it was a wife who, whose husband had died 12 years ago. Actually, some of you may have known that. It was Nancy Sumi's funeral. Uh, Ray and Nancy used to attend here at one time. Anyway, <clears throat> Ray was uh, Alberta Hummer's brother, I believe that's the connection. Anyway, um, and the family wanted to recognize the great love they had for each other. They almost were together 60 years of marriage. So I, I, I did some research, some quick research on Valentine's Day and St. Valentine. And one of the stories, and we don't, it's, it's, it's more legend or tradition than it is a confirmed story, but I think it's interesting, was that he used to cut out of some kind of a material heart-shaped objects 
And he would give the hearts to the believers for two purposes. To remind them of the vows that they made, especially husband and wife, the vows that they made to each other, given hearts. And to remind them as well of God's incredible love for us. That's why we gather. That's the reason we're here, because of God's incredible love for us. Now us gathered here, believers gathered here in the presence of God, having been born again because you, we understand that we must be born again. That's what Jesus said. We are a new creation, having been born again. And part of that new creation and what has, there's a gift that has been given to us. It's the Holy Spirit resident within us, filling us. Now, many come to this point in their spiritual life, and they believe, truly believe, that that's all there is, that the work's done. That's all we need. We got our ticket punched, we're going to heaven. Scripture says something different, and I don't want to go into that too much, other than to say there's so much more, so much more of what God is doing in us, so much more of what God wants to do in us and desires for us. It's because he loves us so much. There's more freedom, as we sang this morning, from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest. More life, more light, more knowledge, more joy, more peace, more rest, more strength, more love, more fruit, as was read for us in the Scripture passage, to be more fruitful. More of lifestyle and heart changes, and that's what God's doing us. And it's a fullness of life. It's an abundance of life. It's, as one passage says, it's the working out God working out in us our salvation, getting us to the point he wants us to be. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, getting rid of all the sinful baggage that we carry, habits, fears, lies we believe, lies we act out, sins, unpacking and applying, appropriating, or if you're into the 21st century, downloading and installing all that God has for us and intends for us. Being made, as we sing at Christmas, fit for heaven to live with him there. You can track that later. Now for us Methodists, and I'm using that term not in its current iteration as United Methodists, but I'm using it as a historic, in its historic context, who we started to be and who many of us believe we still should be. Wesley tackled this issue because if being a Christian is not just being born again, although that's essential, what is a Christian? And so he writes about that. He actually produces, you know, back then the, 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 the new media was publishing. So he published it. What a Christian is. The title was The Character of a Methodist. And we've been using that. We've been looking at it. And he wrote out for us what you see, what we see in the scriptures about what believers are like. We've already been twice on this. We've, we're in the third installment of this. On communion Sundays, with occasional exceptions, even on communion Sundays, our focus has been on what a Christian is. And today, the third installment. We're going to look at that. 
Now, we just came out of Christmas and Advent, believe it or not. I know it's February already, and we've all forgotten about it, but we did that. Now, the church had a theme for Advent, and one of those themes was Emmanuel. Jesus comes to be God with us. The Holy Spirit in us, a great gift. It's fulfillment of that. Jesus saying to us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's all part of that. Now, the challenge with that has never been on God's side. He's faithful to that. He continues to be that, no matter what. And sometimes we really work against it. The biggest hurdle, or the highest hurdle we have in this, is us. Not God being with us, but us being with God. That's the struggle we have. John 15, 4, remain in me, Jesus said. The famous translations, you know, from the King James, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And then he goes on to talk about how essential that is. It's like a branch. You're a branch. I'm a branch. And we're connected to the vine. And unless we stay in the vine, we have no life, we have no fruit, nothing's happening. So this abiding presence of of God, that's the important piece. And then in in other passages, and I, I always find this one challenging beyond belief, you see this theme of abiding come up in so many different ways. Here's Paul writing to the Thessalonian church. Rejoice once a week on Sunday morning for just part of the service. That's the original Greek, right? No. Rejoice always gets harder. Pray without ceasing. True confession, I cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. Now I've got to rejoice always and pray without ceasing. You see how it goes. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for us, to be at that place. That's the abiding place. That's the remaining place. And so our lives should be reflections of this rejoicing that we have always. Try it over a year of COVID. This praying without ceasing. Now, there's a curious part of Thessalonians. I only bring it to your attention because it's, it's so much a part of Paul's letter. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. In, verses Thessalon- in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, just at the beginning of the third verse, it says this, this is the will of God. Oh, where we heard, that's where we heard it before in the, in the letter. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, everything give thanks, this is the will of God. But earlier he said, this is the will of God, your sanctification, which is our fancy word of saying this work that God's doing, that he's literally doing in us, that either we're going to be involved in that and agree with that and let it happen or not. And God is getting us to this place of rejoicing always and praying without ceasing And whatever comes down the pike, we're going to give thanks for it. It's a challenge. At that point, it's a huge challenge. How is that going to happen? You know, the imperative here, I know my English, don't 
whatever, but I do know that this is an imperative. It's the imperative part of the verb, okay? It, we know it as a command, but invitations are imperatives, advice are imperatives, all of these things. All, you know, all of those, <clears throat> they are this thing where you are, you are to do it or you are called to do it. It's the pray, it's rejoice, and give thanks. And at that point, we are stumped. Because I'm telling you, how do you do that? How do you walk through life given you've got relationships, you've got family relationships, you've, some of us have parents left, some of us have brothers and sisters, we have spouses, we have children, we have friendships. How do you do it? How do you, in all of that, you're supposed to be rejoicing always and praying without ceasing and giving thanks. How does it happen when you have work, when you're working full-time? And various people, full-time means different things. Because for some, you're very fortunate. Full-time means 40 hours a week. For others, full-time means 80-plus hours a week. You, you get, how do you do that? How do you do that and you, get, and you go through school and you have all the pressures of school because we have school going on, even though you know, it's, it's online, it's in person or, or some variation of that. How do you do that and do all of this? And then what about getting some downtime, relaxing, doing what you want to do, watching the Super Bowl or whatever, seeing if Tom Brady's going to do it again. How, how are you going to do that Rejoicing always, especially if you're not really fond of Tom Brady. Anyway, pray without ceasing. How in everything give thanks. How is that going to happen? And in our brains, it looks like a logical absurdity. It, you can't do it. You can't do it. And so for many, and we've had history after history of this, what they do is they retreat from the world. They become monks, hermits. To make that happen, to be in this place of super spirituality. And they don't necessarily make it. For others, we just dig in our heels and we say, it's not possible. So I'll just do my best, what I think I can get done, and, and pray that God has mercy on me. But apparently, God thinks it is possible. This is not a demand that is beyond our capabilities. And in fact, this is what he created us for. This is why he redeemed us, to restore us to the possibility that this can be happening. This is the way of life. This is how we know fullness of life. This is what a Christian is. God thinks it's possible. And in Jesus Christ, you can see it lived out. Now, you don't have the examples of how he was rejoicing at every given moment or how he was praying. But if you begin to use that as a, as a, as a, as a, as a template for understanding Jesus' life, you realize that he is the walking, living, breathing, and the accounts that we have, he is doing this. He is remaining in the Father, and the Father's remaining in him. And when that happens, oh my goodness, all heaven breaks loose on earth. Anyway, that brings us to installment three. 
what a Christian is. And the one side that says what a Christian is is just the backstory about where this, the backside, came from. And what I've asked you to do, beginning on each Sunday, and as I give this to you, so you should still have been praying through the first two over the last couple of weeks, even through Christmas and everything. But what I'm asking you to do is now regularly take some time, and you decide what regularly is. If you want to do it three times a day, you're welcome. If you want to do it once a week, you're welcome. If you want to do it maybe every other week, you're welcome to do. I'm just asking you to do something with it. And the first thing is to read it out loud. And there's lots of reasons for it. I won't go into that again. And as you read it, engage your brain. Engage your mind. Do you agree with this? That this is what a Christian is? Do you believe that this is God's will? You're engaging with this, okay? I I agree with that. This is God's will. Then affirm it. This is what I want. At least in your mind, engage with it. This is what I want. And then for each of these, say the amen. Now, literally, you're going to love this. I love this. Amen, we learned from Sunday school, so be it. Literally, amen means true that. So somewhere in some urban setting in the world, all, all those people who, are, who have this vernacular, true that, true that, that's amen. It's yes, Lord. It's make it so, if you're a Star Trek Next Generation fan. It's so be it. It's all of those things. And so we say it. So let me pray this with you. First, let me declare. A Christian prays without ceasing. At all times, all times, the language of their heart is this. Unto you is my mouth, though without a voice, and my silence speaks to you. All of those who would affirm that with me say this. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. The heart of a Christian is lifted up to God at all times and in all places. In this, they're never hindered. They're never interrupted by any person or thing. Alone or in company, in leisure, at work or conversation, their heart is always with the Lord. Whether they lie down or rise up, God is in all their thoughts. They walk with God continually, having the loving eye of their soul fixed on him and everywhere seeing him that is invisible. If you're in agreement with that, yes, Lord, amen, let it be. Yes, Lord, amen, let it be. That's where God's taking you. That's where God's taking me. Just for the record, kicking and screaming all the way. Okay, but that's where he's gone. And so I invite you to take this with you 
And sometime over the next, until we come back, and I, I will freely talk because we're going into Lent this week, it will be in May, the next installment. We're still going to, we're going to get, through, you'll get there. <laughs> but do pray this and agree. Amen.